Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Thursday, January the 11th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, just what exactly is going on with TJ McDonald and does his issue signal a problem in the Dolphins front office? We finish up the Twitter mailbag from yesterday's show. We preview the next round of the playoffs. And very lastly, we dive into the column that I wrote today. Currently live on LockedOnDolphins.com and FanRag Sports about the poor personnel on Miami's offense from the last six years. But first, I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. You guys know the drill. Those ratings and reviews help the show grow. Help us to get out to more Dolphins. It just helps everybody out in the long run. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The exit interview series is almost over. We are doing corner today safeties tomorrow and that is it like I said the Ryan Tannehill piece up right now talking about Miami's personnel issues surrounding Ryan Tannehill as their franchise quarterback and of course lastly but not leastly check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams and with the national championship game in the books and just seven football games left before the very, very long and boring offseason. But we've got you guys covered here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Going to be with you guys three days a week for now. Once we get into March and then into April, we'll be doing four days a week as we get the draft and free agency cranked up and then kind of back down to a three day a week and then back up to four when the season starts in August. So just an idea of what we're doing here. And on the podcast today, I mentioned talking about TJ McDonald and his issue that he has in terms of being in legal trouble. And there was a tweet today from TMZ and I believe it was Adam Beasley, the Dolphins beat writer, tweeted out something about how McDonald found himself in some trouble. He could face some jail time because he had his probation revoked because he wasn't fulfilling his community service duty from the DUI that he that he endured last year and had to go through an eight-game suspension, and that's how he got to the Dolphins for, I mean, it was cheap originally, then they gave him that contract extension. And now it sounds like Armando Salguero is reporting, another Dolphins beat writer, he is reporting that the the report was false or they gave an extension in terms of when he can he can go ahead and get that community community service done so now that the season is over you hope it gets that taken care of but the thing that I that I really thought about it was just how it kind of signals some red flags in the Dolphins front office and the way they handle things and I just it's really strange to me that they have this is a league where the ownership and the coaching staff and all these guys have their thumbs on the pulses of all these players they have them doing weight checks they have them doing all kinds of things where they're kind of being monitored throughout the course of the season and then I guess in the offseason too eventually. But how, how does this happen? How is TJ McDonald not, how is he not forced into doing these things that he is supposed to do as part of his community service or as part of his punishment for getting that DUI? And I understand that during the football season, you you have maybe 24 hours off where you're not really cranked up and going full-time football. It's a really grueling season. I, I bet the last thing you want to do is go pick up trash in the highway or whatever the heck they had him doing or would have had him doing in those situations. But I mean, man, if the, the extension is good, but if it wasn't for the extension, then what? I mean, what would have happened? You just gave this guy a four-year contract and I realize you have the opportunity to go ahead and avoid it because of something like this. 
But just to even let it get to that point is really concerning. And, you know, giving McDonald that four-year contract, I thought was kind of strange. I liked, I think he's a good player. I've always thought he was a good player for the Rams. But giving it to him kind of sight unseen where they didn't really know much about the guy outside of just his film for the Los Angeles and St. Louis Rams and what he brought to them on film, you, you didn't really know the guy. You signed him and, you, you know, you gave him the big contract or the, the small contract and then you give him a big one after being around him for what, a, f- a few weeks or whatever it was. I mean, just kind of a really, really weird situation, but let's hope that gets cleared up and the Dolphins can go back to having two pretty good safeties back there and hopefully draft a third one to complete that dime defense that we're all hoping they switch to this upcoming season with the sub packages. Let's move on now to another segment. I told you guys yesterday I was going to do a Twitter mailbag and I kind of ran out of time because it was going to be a brief show, a quicker show than I'm used to doing. But I put out a question on Twitter to see if you guys had any ideas or ideas for material or questions you wanted to ask and just kind of fill the show out. And you guys did a great job of doing that once again. I really appreciate you guys going the extra mile to go ahead and do that. I try to answer them all as best as I can. I only got to a couple yesterday, so let's get the rest of them out of the way right now and talk to Matt at Fanatic Esh. He asks, might be late to the party, but if you want a change of pace, you could break down this weekend's playoff games or make predictions. Well, my friend, that is coming up in the next segment, so I'll stay tuned for that. Next question. Comes from one of the Lockdown Dolphins writers, Joseph Lopardo, at lovethefish underscore NYC. Joe asks, how do you fix the O-line? Sign Pouncey or let him go? Sign free agent center like Ryan Jensen instead? Pay Jawan James or use money for a free agent guard like uh, Justin Pugh from the New York Giants? Draft a left guard, what do you do? I have, you know, those are a lot of good options you have there and a lot of good ideas to flow out there to talk about. For me, it's always been, we have a left tackle, we have a right guard, we have a right a right tackle and Jawan James and of course Jesse Davis and of course Laramie Tunzel on the left tackle so you have to find a center and a left guard I don't you know it, it, the Dolphins don't seem to be really too too keen on spending high resources on that position they didn't do it last offseason you hope they kind of learn from that mistake and put a little bit more into it they got super lucky finding Jesse Davis and what he has been and what he means to this team going forward you hope but I think that with the draft kind of being what it is, there's a couple of guys in that mid-range, and it was the same way last year. I was a big fan of Dan Feeney from Indiana. Obviously, Forrest Lamp was one of the big names as well, and I also had a bit of a man crush on Ethan Posich and Pat Fline, both centers from LSU and Ohio State, respectively. I think that's where you have to go. Go to that well. Go to the second, third-round well in terms of finding a guy in the draft, and someone like Frank Ragno from Arkansas, Billy Price from Ohio State, one of those guys that you know, maybe has first round potential grade, but falls back just because of position. Try to scoop up one of those guys that can be a plug and play starter from day one. I think that's how you find your center slash left guard and then probably go back to free agency for a cheaper level, a lower level free agent guy to get the other starting job in there because I just don't see them putting a lot of resources in it. So for me, I would draft someone like Billy Price or Frank Ragnar to play center and then sign a left guard that is probably a little bit less than market value at left guard and just kind of hope that you can get the best there because I don't think you have to have five good guys. I don't think that anybody really does. There's a few teams that do and those teams are you know fortunate to have that. But if you can get four steady offensive linemen, you got to feel pretty good about it. And I think if Miami can just get one more guy, they can move in that direction. Next question comes from David at Just For The Fins. He asks, top 10 what could have been for Miami, maybe the last six, seven years, top three rounds, and limit to guys picking the top 10 picks following whatever bum we picked. I like that little dig there at the end. It's pretty accurate. I'm not going to get too far into that. It sounds like a whole segment for another show, and we'll probably do that over the course of the summer, David. It just seems like a, a really good topic for when the, we have a lot of downtime. I know that this is, I've been talking about my downtime now, but there are things to talk about now, and I have a show right now. So we'll get to that down the line, but I'll give you one, and it's the obvious one, I think. Matt Ryan, I mean, I know Drew Brees was basically signed, sealed, and delivered, but Matt Ryan, I wasn't even a fan of his when I did, you know, in that draft process, but I was also like 18, 19, 20 years old. 
no, 21, 22 years old. I'm losing track of math. I'm getting so old now, but I was like 21, 22 years old. I didn't really watch film. I just used the YouTube breakdowns and I watched, you know, I, I watched the actual games on TV and just used a really limited resource there. But I, I thought that he wasn't that great of a player because all the interceptions, but going back and just kind of seeing the way he commands a huddle and commands a team and commands, you know, everyone's respect and just the accuracy he throws with the anticipation he throws with, he, he was kind of a camp can't miss guy. And the fact that the Dolphins went with Jake Long, <laughs> that was kind of a disgrace. So I'll go with Matt Ryan over Jake Long as my one for that. Next question comes from Jeff Rhino at Inginlia Fire. What do you think they should target in the draft? Potential free agents, Jarvis Landry, who will be the backup quarterback. A lot of questions there. We've covered a lot of that in the in the uh, previous episodes. Backup quarterback, I'll go briefly here. I think it's going to be on day three, day, rounds four through seven. They'll pick a quarterback to hopefully groom and maybe be a backup this year, hopefully possibly sign a lower level free agent. Jarvis Landry, no idea. Couldn't tell you have no clue what's going to happen with him. I had Joe Shad in the program a while back. He said they're going to have him back in some capacity, but I can also see a way where he doesn't get back here just because of the salary demands and his limitations as a receiver. Potential free agent targets, I can't get into that either. I haven't looked into it enough to know the relationships the relationships between the Dolphins scouting staff and coaching staff and some guys that they have had in the past with them either. So I'll get into that later on another show, Jeff. And then who do you think they should target in the draft? We have done a lot of that work as well. Derwin James is my top guy, hands down, the safety out of Florida State. He can play anywhere on the field. Anywhere on the field you want to put him, he can play besides at nose tackle. <laughs> I mean, he is such an athlete and such a freak, and he moves around all over the place. Love watching him play. Eric Lopez is the next question at Eric Lope, 6417943. Is that your phone number? I hope not. Eric, top 15 players. He asked me to give them out. I'll save that for another show as well. That's that's a that's a bit of a project I'm going to have to do, and I can't answer off the top of my head. Next question is from Angel Contreras, at A underscore Contreras 88. Go over brief thoughts on next season's matchup. Talk about defensive possibilities if we draft a safety in the first. Same with linebacker. Same with possibilities of drafting a guard. Again, a lot of questions, and I really, really appreciate these guys. We'll get to more of this stuff as the season goes on, or the offseason goes on, I should say. So I don't really have an answer for you there. I mean... I'll definitely do a schedule breakdown show when the schedule comes out. And, you know, it's not about just the matchups because so much can change and you, you never know what team's going to look like from, you know, April all the way through December. It's, it, it changes so much. But I'll definitely break down the way the schedule goes because, in my opinion, the schedule matters for how they stack the games, whether it's back-to-back road trips, Thursday road games, or, you know, less games in September with the Heat in Miami, more games on the road in December in the cold, just that type of thing. And I think you can kind of schedule losses, as I call them, where you have like a tough road trip in New England after a short, just there's so many things that go into it. And we'll get into that when that schedule comes out in April. Next question, uh, Razor's Edge 44, I answered yours last night, as well as the question from Julian Luco. So thank you guys for those questions again. And then the last question comes from Scott Summers at Summer Scott. He asks, how do you think Landry's exit from Miami affects Tannehill and the offense? I have a sinking feeling this is an inevitability. You know, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen with Travis Landry. It's such a tricky one. It's, it's one of the trickier ones I think I've seen in a couple of years in the NFL. He's going to point at Devontae Adams' contract and want that, and he is not worth that. Not at all. Not even close. He's not a perimeter receiver. He can't beat one-on-one on the edge, and he can't get down the field and make the big plays. So you have to pay him accordingly. If if he wants to play ball and you know go by that, we'll accept him back. If not, he can go test the market, maybe come back with and see that he's not going to get that big deal. So we'll see what happens there. But the way it impacts the Miami offense, Ryan Tannehill has always inflated slot receivers numbers. From the time at Texas A&M, he had Ryan Swope, who became a draftable player because of his time with Ryan Tannehill and then faded out of the league really quickly. He had Devon Bess, who had a career year with Ryan Tannehill in 2012. And then he had Jarvis Landry obviously doing the things that he does now. And then Brandon Gibson also in that 2013-2014 year range where he was kind of playing the best ball of his career. So I think they can 
if Landry leaves, they can find that production, you know, they're not going to find the juice, like, you know, his nickname is Juice, for instance. They're not going to find that juice and the ability to break tackles and get those third down, first downs that he does short of the sticks all the time. But you put Jakeem Grant in there, you throw a different type of offense, different types of routes for him, you know, a lot more jet sweeps and ends rounds and that types of thing. And you can also draft somebody. I mean, there was a lot of good slot receivers last year, like Trent Taylor or Taewon Taylor, excuse me, Ryan Switzer, you know, lots of so those diminutive small slot guys that can be productive in the slot. So I think you'll be okay in terms of replacing him. It's just going to suck losing that type of mentality and that type of alpha mentality that Jarvis Landry brings every single day. And that will do it for the Locked On Dolphins mailbag here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL, and you can follow the show at Locked On Fins. All right, so you guys know this is a Dolphins podcast, but with the playoffs going on, I have to talk about those games coming up this weekend. It is known as the best weekend in the NFL, the divisional round playoffs. Of course, the Dolphins have not been fortunate enough to get to that point for 17 years now and counting, so we have to go off of other teams' success and talk about how much fun it would be if we got there. I was 3-1 last week. I missed the Tennessee-Kansas City game, nailed the Jacksonville-Buffalo game, nailed the Atlanta pick, the upset special, and nailed the Saints pick. So I'm 3-1 in the playoffs right now. Feeling pretty good about that. Let's go down the list right now and talk about New England versus Tennessee in that game. I mean, 13.5 point favorites. Tom Brady pissed off. Bill Belichick pissed off at home. They're not losing that game. They haven't lost a game in the divisional round since 2009. Or, excuse me, 2009 was the last time they didn't make the AFC Championship game. So check my math there. But it's been quite a while since they didn't get to the AFC Championship game. So they're going to win that game quite handily. I don't see any way the Patriots lose to the Titans at home. The other game in the AFC is a little bit tougher. Pittsburgh against Jacksonville in Pittsburgh, obviously. Jacksonville has that dominating defense, but I just think you're going to have too many weapons and enough pass protection and enough of a leadership at quarterback to be able to handle that Jaguars' ferocious defense and eventually break them down. And then Blake Bortles is not going to be, I mean, 10 points against the Bills, he's going to make too many mistakes in that game for them to have a chance to win. So Pittsburgh wins that one as well. Over to the NFC, Philadelphia and Atlanta. I don't think there's a person on the planet picking the Eagles right now that is not an Eagles fan. I mean, Matt Ryan, I, I picked the Patriots and Falcons rematch in the Super Bowl before the playoff started, so I'm going to stick with that and say the Falcons go on the road in Philadelphia on the road for two straight weeks and get another win in the playoffs. And then the last game is the best one of the weekend. I cannot wait for it Sunday afternoon. Minnesota hosting the Saints. New Orleans, their offense has been really fun to watch this year. I picked Alvin Kamara as my rookie of the year. That looks like a pretty damn good pick so far. Drew Brees has been more efficient than he ever really has. He doesn't have the volume numbers, but the efficiency, and that kind of proves you how little stats really, really mean. I mean, he's playing so well. And the the Panthers, I mean, they held Kamara and Ingram in check, and Drew Brees went out and beat them. I mean, what are you going to do? You tip your cap to a Hall of Fame, legendary type of quarterback. So I'm actually going to amend that pick for my original picks. And just say the way the Saints are rolling right now, I think they go into Minnesota and get that win. And we get a really, really juicy NFC Championship game between the Falcons and the Saints, two hated rivals. And uh, the Saints were trolling the Falcons a lot last year in after the 28-3 meltdown. So I'm really excited to see that game. So your picks for the weekend, Patriots, Steelers, Falcons, and Saints. Uh, amending the one pick there from the Vikings and Saints. So those are the playoff picks. And speaking of playoffs... One week in the books, three more to go. So I got to tell you guys about mybookie.ag, the number one rated online sports book. With your fantasy football season over, the only way to use your sports knowledge to win cash is by betting at mybookie, the sports book that makes it easy to deposit and even easier to cash out your winnings fast. They have odds on everything, every prop bet you could ever imagine, live betting and an all new prop builder. Create your own bet slips, bet however you want to. 
You make bets with your friends all the time. Will Tom Brady throw a touchdown pass in this quarter? Why not do it at mybookie.ag and put your money where your mouth is? Bet from your desktop, your tablet, or on their world-class mobile site that lets you bet anytime, anywhere. MyBookie offers the fastest no-hassle payouts when you win. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDON when making your account. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today and bet on the internet's favorite sports book where you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, the advertising is done. One more segment to go on the show today, talking about Ryan Tannehill, this offense, and what it has been the last five years in his existence with the Miami Dolphins and how poorly of a job the Dolphins have done in surrounding Ryan Tannehill with pieces, both at receiver and on the offensive line. So let's go ahead and jump back into the most divisive figure on the Miami Dolphins roster and ever since I've been following this team for the last 20, 30 years, whatever it's been now. Uh, just talking about Ryan Tannehill and kind of what the pieces they have surrounded him with and what that has meant to the team and what it's meant for his development and his growth and why they've continuously been a bottom third offense. I mean, there was one year in Ryan Tannehill's career that they were not a bottom third offense, but that would mean 24th or worse in the NFL. That was 2014. Only year they were better than that. And the reason for that is because of poor receiver play and poor offensive line play and eh, decent play from the running backs. They've had a couple of decent years out of a couple of guys, but just kind of going over the guys they have surrounded him with. It started in 2012 when they traded away Brandon Marshall and they rolled out with top three receivers of Brian Hartline, Devon Bess, and Legadu Nane. Now Hartline comes in and plays 86% of the snaps, Devon Bess 71%, Rashard Matthews is the third highest at 22%. So they really have a lot of two receiver routes in that, that year, rolling with Anthony Fasano at 86% in that year. And then John Martin getting 99% of the snaps in the offensive line. I mean, just a train wreck of guys surrounding Ryan Tannehill. You go to 2013, they bring in Mike Wallace for 92% of the reps. Brian Hartline again at 88, and then Rashard Matthews back down to 50%. So just another bunch of two tight or two receiver sets. Charles Clay 83% that year. But the offensive line, Tyson Claybo 92% of the snaps. John Jerry 98% of the snaps. And then you have Richie Incognito gets gets kicked off the team that year. So 45% of the snaps for him. Obviously, John Martin gets kicked off as well or retires or quits, whatever it's called. So he loses a bunch of snaps there. Bryant McKinney comes in for 63%. So just a lot of bad names. I mean, Sam Brenner, a quarter of the snaps. Nate Garner, 40% of the snaps. Just not very good play there. You go into 2014, it's Wallace, Hartline, and Landry. More three wide sets. Brandon Gibson as well, all above 45%. The running backs with Lamar Miller getting about 60% of the workload there. Damian Williams gets introduced into the fold. Daniel Thomas is one of the key guys guys again there and then the offensive line once again Darren College 67% of the snaps Dallas Thomas 64% of the snaps Jason Fox 32% or excuse me 19% of the snaps Shelly Smith 32% of the snaps I mean it's just the offensive line gets so bad it gets even worse the next year the top two guys on the Dolphins offensive line in terms of snaps played Dallas Thomas in 2015 99% Jason Fox 80% I mean, how are you going to win with that? They finally get better at receiver with Landry, Stills, and Matthews. And then Parker at the end of the year, obviously. But Greg Jennings was there for part of that. He was supposed to be one of the guys. They only played Kenny Stills 57% of the snaps in 2015. I mean, what good does that do? I mean, they they brought him over for a third-round draft pick. He got it, you know, gets the contract now. He was supposed to be one of the key cogs, and the Dolphins didn't know how to use him. So he gets a, a lower snap count. Jordan Cameron gets in, eats into that snap count. Deion Sims is almost higher snap count than Kenny Stills. And the offensive line, just atrocious. Dallas Thomas and Jason Fox, like I mentioned. Billy Turner, 74% of the snaps. Jamil Douglas, 50% of the snaps. Just a horrific 
looking group. And then finally in 2016, it gets a lot better with Landry Stills and Parker taking almost all the reps at receiver. Deion Sims, Marquise Gray, Jordan Cameron taking up the tight ends position. And then Jermon Bushrod, but then he was a top snap getter on the offensive line. But then you have Juwan James, Larry Tunzel, Brandon Albert, Anthony Steen, Mike Pouncey, Craig Urbeck. So you have a better offensive line. And what do you know? Ryan Tannehill plays the best year of his career, gets him into the playoffs, gets himself the 12th highest rated passer in the NFL that year. And if you go off the offensive line grades from Pro Football Focus, every year in Ryan Tannehill's career, he's had somebody on his offensive line that ranked in the bottom five at their position on Pro Football Focus. 2012, Jonathan Martin, bottom five right tackle. 2013, Tyson Claybo, bottom five right tackle. 2014, Darren College, bottom five guard. 2015, Billy Turner, bottom five right tackle. 2016, no bottom five lineman, playoffs, 12th rated passer in the NFL. I mean, is it get any more? does it get any more obvious than that and just what you have to do to surround this guy? Most teams surround their quarterback with playmakers and an offensive line that can do something in terms of keeping him clean and protecting him. The Dolphins haven't done any of that. It's just been receivers here and there. Mike Wallace, a big contract for Brandon Albert. It's just been such a bad group around him. He's been the reason they haven't been as bad as like the Jacksonville Jaguars were for so long, winning three or four games a year. Ryan Tannehill has been responsible for the Dolphins being a mediocre team. I know that sounds like a terrible thing to say about your quarterback, but it's a lot better than the alternative, being a lot worse and being three and four wins every single year. Every single player that left from Ryan Tannehill, besides Rashard Matthews, their stats plummeted down towards the basement. Brian Hartline, one more year. He drops by about 20 catches, 230 yards. He has less touchdowns in this one year with Cleveland. He retires. He can't get a job after that. Devon Bess also goes to Cleveland. He goes down by 20 catches, almost 400 yards. I mean, the production just falls off for everybody. Mike Wallace, he goes down by 10 catches a year, 150 yards a year, three and a half touchdowns a year. Charles Clay goes down by 12 catches a year, 120 yards a year, a touchdown and a half a year. Everyone just has less production. So Ryan Tannehill, for all the talk that he cannot elevate his teammates, well, I'm pretty damn sure that he did all those guys. So what are you talking about? I mean, I have the film study. I have the stats. I have hours and hours and hours of work and gifs and cut-ups and everything he has been a very good quarterback for this team we should be thankful that we have him and that is the end of today's podcast i can't talk about it anymore it's getting me too fired up be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. leave us a rating and review and check out the other locked on sports podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams follow me on twitter at wingful nfl follow the show at locked on fins and check out locked on nfl on the facebook page as well as at locked on nfl on twitter and lastly check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written Dolphins content needs. Back on Monday with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast presented by MyBookie.ag, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.